we interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast for a special episode honoring female physicians on this, the sixth annual Women Physicians Day. Today, we're joined by a very special guest as we celebrate Elizabeth Blackwell's birthday. Dr. Blackwell was the first female medical doctor in the United States. It's time to honor female physicians all across the country and the progress they've made since Dr. Blackwell's time. Nationally, there are still fewer female doctors than male doctors, but the progress is still steady. In 2017, for the first time in history, women made up more than half of those in medical school. Today, we are joined by a very special guest today as we celebrate you, the female physician. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back to Let Me Interrupt, a woman's perspective in today's workplace. We are bringing today onto the podcast, Dr. Donna Stanton. She is a board-certified physician in internal medicine and pediatrics in Lexington, Kentucky. Her specialty is in pediatric cholesterol and obesity. Along with this, she volunteers as a physician in an adult outpatient medicine clinic, a mom to two teen daughters, Also want to note that she has a diverse animal family as well, a horse, a chinchilla, two cats, a dog, and a puppy. Uh, Donna states that her main job is driving the girls and their friends around, as well as cleaning up all those puppy accidents. So Dr. Donna Stanton, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. It's really impressive. I actually hadn't uh, seen the bio yet. And I love that you have such a diverse um, household. That's great. But I just want to get started and just learning a little bit about you. And I mean, first off, what sparked your interest in medicine and then later led to your decision to follow internal medicine and pediatrics? I think it originally started with my grandmother who had breast cancer and she went into remission and Then she came back with some hip pain and she was kind of written off, you know, oh, it's arthritis, you know, don't complain. And as it turned out, that was where the breast cancer had returned and was metastasized to the bone. By the time they caught it, you know, she obviously didn't do well. And I spent a couple of years just kind of upset about, you know, what could have been done differently. And then I thought, you know, if I want things to be different, maybe I should be that change. And so... I decided to go to medical school. You know, for those who might be listening, who may who may say, well, what what is internal medicine? I mean, you know, internal medicine typically cares for the the older adult, but you have a really diverse background with with pediatrics and internal medicine. So you see kind of that full spectrum of of the lifespan, the 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 newborn, the neonate, all the way up to the geriatric patients. So what sparked the decision to to do both routes? Well, to me, the kids were more fun, and then the adults were more of like a a brain exercise. And so as I've gone through my career, I've learned that they they both require a lot of brain power, and they both can be fun. Yeah, I love that. Looking at your background, too, I mean, uh, I was an overweight kid growing up, and I saw a lot of pediatricians who just didn't have, from my perspective, like good guidance for me in that. Um, and I see that you have part of your specialty is related to um, obesity in children, which is a really peaking topic. Was there something that, you know, maybe flagged you into taking that on as well? Well, before I went to medical school, I was a personal trainer and I have a degree in exercise science and sports medicine. So I think I was always kind of thinking in that way. And I was part of a pilot project at Vanderbilt when I was living in Nashville and personal training with children as far as 
what really worked to help them with their weight goals. And it kind of just piqued my interest in it. Then after medical school and then residency, one of my colleagues asked if I would start a pediatric cholesterol clinic. Since I deal with children and adults, maybe I would be more comfortable prescribing medications such as statin therapy. So the cholesterol clinic then kind of grew and I now take care of cholesterol patients at another clinic as well. And that clinic also has me treating patients that are pediatric patients that are struggling with weight and fatty liver and high blood pressure and diabetes. So I think it all kind of runs together. You know, Cindy shared her her struggle with childhood obesity. I think the term obesity just can get such a negative stigma behind it. I wish we had a different word. I wish we had a different word for it. Sometimes in my chart, instead of, I don't use that word in my charts, but sometimes in my charts, I might use the actual number for BMI, but that's not a really good marker either because you can have more muscle, you know, and that can affect your BMI. And so I think that we do need to come up with a better term. I try to tell my patients, don't let your goal have anything to do with your numbers. Don't let it, don't let your goal be your actual weight or your actual cholesterol, or your blood pressure number. You're not always in control of numbers. You've got hormones. You have genetics. You have life stressors. You're not always in control of the, of the actual numbers. The only thing you're in control of is how you fuel your body with what you eat and drink and how much you move around. Of course, there's also sleep and how you control your stress and things like that. But, you know, you're really not 100% in control of those numbers. So when we make numbers our goal, we don't always succeed. And then that kind of starts this vicious cycle of, not feeling good about ourselves and then not able to reach any goal. And then usually we, we actually kind of backslide, you know, kind of go kind of regress. Yeah. I think that we were, you know, in planning for today and meeting with you, we were kind of hoping that some of what you just shared would kind of shine through in our conversation. I mean, those are all really good takeaways. It doesn't take a lot for a patient to go in and see their doctor, especially even a new doctor. You go into a a new physician practice and you want to get established and, and have a relationship and they pull up that BMI chart and they say, well, you're morbidly obese. There's nothing more defeating than walking out of a, of a 60 minute encounter with, you know, that label in your chart. And, and it's just, it's like, well, hell, I'm morbidly obese. I've got a lot of work ahead of me to get to the, you know, whatever's below morbidly obese. You got probably really obese and then morbidly obese, or I don't know what the structure is, but yes, I, I, I appreciate right. the fact I don't use those terms, but yeah. Um, I think it's even harder with children because they don't even understand those terms. They just know, you know, what food is in front of them and a lot, they're not in control of that. They're not in control of what's in their home. And they know that, you know, at school, they're being picked on for their weight, even though they feel the same on the inside as all the other kids and they want to play like all the other kids. And so I think for children, it's even harder for them to, to grasp whenever we try to tell them about their weight and their level of weight and BMI. So I just try to not approach that subject. I just feel like it's not very useful in my practice. And I, and I hope that anybody listening that is in the medical field really takes some of this and, and puts it into practice. I mean, just to, and this may be just from, you know, me in Maryland, in my area, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. But I remember I would see my pediatrician and there one time, you know, he was just like, you just got to stop. You just got to stop eating and you just got to put down the tortillas and rice. 
And it was just so mean. And, you know, we switched pediatricians. And then, you know, the next one was telling my parents that his recipe for me was to just water lime and good old spinach. And that is, you know, and so it was never, it was never something that had like some science behind it. Maybe it does. Maybe I was supposed to just be doing that. But it always created just a shut off for my parents and I that it just like left us feeling a little bit hopeless. I mean, I don't know if my parents felt hopeless, but I felt hopeless. And then that was me like seven years old and on, you know, so it's like, I I love that this is the perspective that you take. And now you um, treat your patients through your practice. So, So honestly, thank you for that. Because I know For me, that would have made a lot of a difference, at least in my self-esteem, like at school. For sure. I feel like with my child, my pediatric patients and my adult patients that when we start talking about weight, it's almost like they feel worse about themselves. And when you don't feel good about yourself, you don't want to make healthy choices. And so it's really kind of defeating to even talk about it. And what if we're not all supposed to be skinny? I mean, why does that have to be the gold standard? So, you know, I also try to sometimes get the parents away from the child because the parents are always like, well, what is their weight? How much should they gain? Like, okay, we're not going to discuss that. And please don't ask that in front of your child again, because it has nothing to do with how they're actually doing. So we're not going to have, we're not going to talk about that in this clinic. I know it's a a healthy weight clinic. We'll get there, but we're going to use other words. We're going to use goals that are not centered around our weight. And we're not going to put kids on diets. And we'll get there. I just need you to not talk about weight in my clinic. I love that. I love that. And, you know, and we're going to shift gears here in a second, but I think it's also even allowing, um, you know, I had a physician years ago before I moved to Texas who, when he came in, he said, can we talk about your weight? Can we, like, he, he actually prompted, like, is weight something that you would like to discuss? He, he actually engaged in a fashion where it wasn't like, Hey, I want to talk about your BMI or your BMI is too high. Um, he asked for for permission because perhaps somebody doesn't want to focus on that. Maybe they're, they're, um, more focused on how to, you know, quit smoking or, um, improve their, you know, blood sugar. If they're a diabetic, maybe they just aren't wanting to focus on weight, but, um, so no, I think that's great. I think that's great. Well, shifting gears, um, we heard in your bio, that alongside being a physician, you're a mom to two teens, which uh, God bless you. I have one uh, one child who's a senior, so I'm and driving, so it's like double the stress. But so you're a mom to teens, you're a wife, um, you're a very diversified animal mom. I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit a little bit about the chinchilla. But how do you ensure that you keep yourself? balanced and, and, and grounded in, in a healthy, in a healthy way? I don't know that I do a good job of it. I, I don't know that I do. I think that I try to, you know, listen to some devote. I spend a lot of time in my car. So I listen to a lot of books. I listen to a lot of educational podcasts since I don't have a lot of time to read. Um, I listen to a lot of devotionals in my car to kind of, you know, set my brain to think more about, the spiritual aspects of my day, you know, how am I thinking? How am I treating others? You know, am I thinking positively? Am I being a good example for other people? And so I try to just fill my brain with these things that are educational or 
interesting in books or, you know, that revolve around my devotionals. But I don't really know that I do a good balance of, you know, always eating perfectly. I am a vegetarian, almost vegan. So I think that that helps with my health. Just, you know, it just makes it easier. I'm not really great at getting as much exercise in as I used to. I used to be great at it. But whenever you have teenagers, your life revolves around their schedules and their volleyball schedules and where they have to be at certain times. And you just kind of lose yourself. And so I do go to physical therapy. That's pretty much what I do for exercise. Um, I think I'm really not good at getting enough sleep either. And that was that's one of my goals for this year. We just got this puppy and I've been really well on sleep for about a month. And we yesterday we had a hard, hard conversation at our house. But I think we've we come up with a solution without getting rid of the puppy. And I think the sleep is going to get better. So that's, I'm just focusing on that one goal this year. I'm going to get more sleep. I don't want to put too many things, you know, out there for goals. I think the smaller the goal is, the more likely you'll reach it. And then that'll kind of be kind of like a snowball effect to reaching more goals. And so right now my goal is to get more than three hours of sleep. So last night I achieved that goal. I felt pretty good about it today. I got six hours. And as far as balancing the home life, I don't know that I do a great job of that either. I think that my house always comes last. You know, my house is not very clean and um, it's not very straight. I have a lot of really good conversations in my car with my kids because we're in the car so much. We don't have a lot of family meals around the table, but I feel like I make up with that with my girls in the car. It would be a really good goal to have more family meals around the table because I think that would be helpful. But my husband travels a lot, works a lot, and so it's usually just three of us. In answering your question, I don't know that I do a great job of balancing it. Usually myself is what, you know, suffers. I don't get enough sleep. I don't exercise. Luckily, I'm, I don't really enjoy food that much, and I'm a vegetarian, so I think that helps. I also have really good genetics, so that's probably helpful as well, because I'm, I'm probably not doing a great job of taking care of myself. So that's my honest answer. I'm glad that you pointed it out. It's honest. And as you were kind of going through this, you know, my first thought is, um, do, do you have guilt as as far as, you know, you know, all the steps, right? Like, um, I guess this is touching on, you know, all the signs, you know, all the everything that you're supposed to do versus like, you know, an, the lay person who doesn't have the tools, doesn't have all the um, knowledge about this. So, so there may not be that additional pressure of like, I know here's the mark I'm supposed to be hitting and I'm just like in arm's reach or, or not there or only in here and there. I have a lot of guilt. It has to do with the way that my kids eat. So I have all these clinics and all these patients, you know, I talk to them so much about how your kids should eat. And I felt like I did a really good job before my kids hit middle school. Then they started getting pickier and pickier and refusing to eat these healthy foods that I was offering. And then now I have one in high school, one still in middle school. I've totally lost control. And so I feel like that I carry a lot of guilt about, you know, my kids don't don't get enough fruits and vegetables. You know, they get more junk food now. One of them eats at school, which is not healthy. Um, you know, they probably get more screen time than they need. The oldest one doesn't get enough sleep. And so that is where I have the guilt because I'm trying to get my patients to do these things that I haven't even completely figured out how to do them. And I tell my patients that too. I want to help you learn how to do it because I want to learn how to do it. So let's all just try to like set one little goal on how to get this done. But also we have to remember to not feel guilty. But I do that too. 
I'm also feeling guilty. Um, you know, I'm not doing a great job of feeding my kids five fruits and vegetables a day and making sure they get eight hours of sleep and less than two hours of screen time. And I have guilt about that. Kind of piggybacking off of what Cindy just asked. So you you have that guilt, but I'm wondering as a physician mom, do you find it um, a challenge to go to the doctors with your children and switch to just mom mode versus Mm, I don't agree with that doctor clinically, or mm, I don't like their assessment of my child's rash. I think it's, do you find that switch hard from doctor to mom? Oh, for sure. I usually prompt whichever physician I'm going to with what the diagnosis is before I get there. And they probably hate that. (laughs) But I'm like, I'm bringing my daughter in for this. And I think it's this. And this is what I would like for the treatment to be. But I'm going to let you assess her. But they know right off the bat, okay, we're going to have to at least consider this. <laughs> so I, it's probably tough to take care of my kids um, and maybe even tough to take, to take care of my husband and me since I'm an adult internal medicine doctor and a pediatrician. So I'm probably not the favorite patient or patient mom. But also I find it hard to, when I'm at work, I can just, you know, give recommendations for what the patients do and I can prescribe a medication or vitamins or supplements and I can Usually they do it, you know, most of them are pretty compliant. But then when I get home and I try to get my own children to do these things, you know, like, okay, you have this rash and we're going to put this cream on there and then they don't do it. So it's very hard to then go, listen, I'm the doctor. And I said, (laughs) because they see me as mom. As a matter of fact, they always think of and tell people that their dad is a doctor and they don't even remember that I'm a doctor. So it is hard sometimes for me to not go home and play doctor with my kids. I have to remember that at home, I'm a mom, whether I like it or not, that's how they see me. And they're, that's how they treat me. Well, thank you for sharing that. And it's really important, you know, to hear your feelings about that because, you know, with wearing so many different hats that are vastly different, I mean, it must be really interesting to be an expert for some Um, but you know, it's just mom, whatever for your kids. Well, we recognize you are like, listen, I I know like every free moment away from work and like the sports events and, you know, caring for the animals. I'm sure every moment is sacred for you. And we know you're really, we appreciate your time on a Saturday meeting with us. So lastly, we would be really delighted if you could share, um, any practical advice, any Anyone listening, maybe whether they're medically inclined or not medically inclined, do you have any kind of gold standard advice um, that you would like to offer um, to anyone listening that is just that could be helpful when they're meeting a new doctor for the first time or questions to ask, or maybe they just want to refresh their their current existing relationship with who they do see? I have a few things. They're not all medical related. Number one, don't get a chinchilla. Their temperature range has to be between 65 and 69, and they can't get a drop of water on them. They require dust baths, which increases the dust in your home. They throw the poop out of their cage. They're nocturnal, so when you try to keep their cage with the poop around it in your daughter's bedroom, they're up all night. And um, they really don't want to be around people, so you can't get them out and cuddle with them. So I think that would be number one, don't get a chinchilla. Number two, moms, dads, physicians, non-physicians, 
we got to cut ourselves a little bit of slack because no one's doing it perfectly, even if we think they are. And if we're not going to cut ourselves some slack, no one else is going to. No one's going to love ourselves more than we're going to love ourselves. So we've got to start there. The next thing I wanted to say is don't make weight your goal because that may not be what you need. Also, you have this hormone called leptin that will fight you every step of the way. When you lose weight, it will try to help you gain it back. So if you make weight your goal, you will always feel like a failure. Make your goal how you feel in little tiny steps that you can take, that you can reach, that can make a difference. And then lastly, I would say when you're going to the doctor, if you don't speak up and tell us why you're really there and what you really want, and that you don't really like a treatment that we're prescribing or that you're not really going to do what we're asking you to do, we can't give you good care. We will just go on what we think and what we've read and learned over the years, and we won't take into consideration how that's actually going to look in your own life. You have to tell us, and we're open to that. And if we're not open to that, it might not be the best fit for you as far as your position. If I could, I'm holding my phone now, but if I could clap (laughs) on this call, I would, I really would (laughs) really appreciate it. Like I really do. And I, I've heard so many people have experiences that are just awful, you know, awful. And, and they are afraid to go to do their annual checkup. Like no one should feel like nervous or scared or afraid or like, they should just feel comfortable going in and, you know, and seeing their physician like that should be their partner. And it sounds like that's exactly how you approach it. And that's exactly what you're doing. Um, so I'm so glad that you're, we have you on so that you can say that and, and people can hear it and know that like, that is not normal. You need to find a physician that is your partner. And that sounds just like you. <laughs> <laughs> and and we assured you like early on, we said that this would be a real natural free flowing conversation. And I, I, I don't think we could have nailed it on the head better than we did. I think that this indeed was just what we intended it to be. And, um, just really a great, a great, you know, 30 minutes here together. So, well, Dr. Donna Stanton, we are really appreciative of your time, um, spending it here with Cindy and I and. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. Hopefully you learned a lot from Dr. Stanton and this conversation. And as always, just keep on interrupting and we'll see you next week.